Hello, welcome to Black Cap Recap, where two bald guys wear black ball caps and dive into the deeper meaning of movies, TV, and media. We're your co-hosts, Sean McCannelly and Aaron Russo. This is a conversation between two friends, and we hope that you enjoyed as much as we do. So today we're going to continue our conversation around um, masculinity, masculinity and media. And uh, as we mentioned before, this is not a prescriptive conversation. We're not trying to define anything necessarily or trying to uh, make any statements about any particular cultural debates at, at this time in our culture, but um, we're just talking about our own experiences with um, how we understood masculinity and what messages were being sent to us through movies and media during our now, what we would call our post-college to, for me, post-college to grandparenthood, (laughs) and for Sean, a little bit less forward, but basically the same, roughly the same time periods, maybe. And this is where our not only our age difference, but probably our life experience differences will come out as well, as will probably be obvious as we talk about this stuff. Um, so last time I kicked it off, so this time we're going to have Sean kick off and talk about his influences from media and masculinity. Take it away, Sean. Yeah, alright. So, uh, again, I'm 34 years old, so uh, we kind of left off around the year 2007, uh, 7, 8-ish. So for me, uh, picking up for the last 13 years, um, I would say one, I guess one thing that stood out to me earlier in that phase would be the movie, (laughs) it's silly, Toy Story 3, um, the part at the end, spoilers, when (laughs) Andy gives away the toys to the little girl. Um, I don't know. I was 24, I think, or I don't think I was. No, I wasn't a parent yet. But I was close. Like we were, we were working on that. Um, but I was, you know, that just hit me because like I was Andy when Toy Story came out. Like I was pretty much his age. Right. And then here I am in Toy Story three. It's more or less Andy's age. Like he's going off to college. But like, it's just to me, it just hit me as like that. Like end of childhood. Uh, yeah, I'm not a kid anymore. Like these, these toys. This these characters have been a part of my kind of childhood since age nine, um, and it's like being passed on, passed along to the next generation, and and it's like time to move on and grow up, and and it's, it's okay. And like I don't know, it just hit me. <laughs> like, like 24 years old, like I'm not crying, you're crying. You know? <laughs> like, um, you know, I don't. I don't know what I make of that other than just like that kind of just cemented to me that I wasn't kind of a kid or a young man anymore. Like I was entering a new era of, I'm now an adult, I guess, because Toy Story has moved on, you know? So I could be like, I should too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got married kind of young. We were 21 when we got married, so we kind of grew up fast in that way too. Um, So I feel like, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't have like my roaring 20s, the arch type find yourself in your 20s thing I didn't I guess I never really bought into that whole like that whole notion of you gotta find yourself and you gotta spend 10 years 
sowing your wild oats or whatever they say and roaming the world, seeing the world. I never had that going kind of on, draw. A, on a vision journey. Would they call yeah. it a vision quest? Yeah, a vision quest. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I guess I identify more with like Owen Mars and Aunt Peru, you know, like they just kind of knew what they were going to do and they just got married and started a farm and that was that, you know? <laughs> no questions asked. Um, one that I saw in high school, but it didn't hit me as much until I was a parent was um, the movie Life is Beautiful which is from mm. 1999, I think, mm-hmm. and it's Italian. Um, we watched the subtitle version. I think it was in German class, um, actually, mm. in high school, um, because I guess there's some similarities with German and Italian or something, But um, and it takes, takes place during World War II, but um, I don't know if you've seen that movie. Before. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's like the first half is like a kind of a rom-com a little bit, um, and then it takes a hard left uh, into concentration camp uh, comedy almost, like, like, but not. It's what's comedic about it is that the characters, the dad, like the way he's basically protecting his son from the horrors of the concentration camp by continuing this kind of game or the gaming that they always they always were playing a game, kind of being silly, and he kept that going um, to like psychologically protect his child from what was going on. And he kept saying, like, you know, oh, it, if you win the game, you win a tank, right, at the end. <laughs> and then they're even taking him away to execute him, and he's, like, marching funny and even keeping his spirits up, and the kid's, like, hiding, and, like, he's, like, you gotta hide, otherwise you won't get the, won't get the prize, you know? Yeah. And so he hides, and the kid kid hides and is safe from that, from, from hiding, and then, and then the American GIs roll in with a tank <laughs> and liberate the camp. And he wins the game, you know. <laughs> and it's just beautiful. Like, this entering into from, yeah, like, I'm my own person, or I'm, like, got this youthful angst, or this, like, I need to be a warrior, prove myself to, like, well, now I have, like, people depending on me. And, like, there is a noble warrior spirit in that. Like, what he was doing mm-hmm. is just as strong, noble, um, you know, like man, manly, right? Mm. Even though he was like a dweeby looking guy, you know, like he wasn't what anyone would consider like an alpha male or a macho guy or whatever. But like he proved it where it counts, right? And he like did what he needed to do to keep uh, to keep his kid protected psychologically from that situation. And it just, yeah, that that has always struck me as one of those just beautiful movies to mm. watch. Um, you have to watch the subtitle version because then otherwise if they dub it. Um, it just doesn't carry over as much as right. hearing him in Italian do his thing, you know? Right. Um, I guess you could watch it both ways, because then with the dubbing, you can not have to watch subtitles and, like, watch what's happening um, instead of watching subtitles. That's always the the trick with foreign movies. Is There's something about hearing... With, I forgot his name, but... Yeah. But him speak in Italian. Yeah. It's its own entertainment. Um. One that kind of spans the boundary of the time period we're talking about, too, which I talked about earlier, maybe not in the last episode, but at one point was the movie Life is um, Children of Men. Um, that movie, so like Clive Owen in that movie, um, one thing is he, in the movie, he's as old as I will be when the movie takes place, basically, like while you're within a year or two. So like it takes place in like 20, 27 or 8 or something, and I'll be... 42, and that's about what he was right there. So it's like, I kind of like, oh, you know, he's kind of my age in the future. And it's like a future in which, you know, there's a fertility crisis in the year 2008-ish. And like the last human is born around then. And the movie, uh, the start of the movie is like the youngest person at age 18 like dies. Um, They're kind of always keeping track of like, right now we keep track of the oldest person in the world. And in that universe, they're keeping track of the youngest person in the world. Um, 
and and you know he dies. But anyway, he he's kind of just like meandering. Like it, there's um, evidence that he was like kind of more of an activist, like with his old wife or girlfriend Julianne Moore. That like back in 2008, 2012, whatever, he has like this old London Olympics 2012 shirt on the whole time. <laughs> um, <laughs> that they were like um, some kind of activists or political radicals, or whatever. And he just like seems to have settled into like a bureaucratic job and is not as fired up as he used to be. But he. Um, He's just kind of stumbling through. Things are kind of happening to him, and then he like makes a decision to help out. It turns out to be a pregnant lady, which is like, whoa, there's a pregnant lady, and he overhears like the other group wanting to do something with her, or take her, use her as a bargaining chip, and but he had heard about this other avenue that he could go that would be less uh, scary, I guess, or less you know experimental, or just using her as a, as a political pawn, and so he decides to like basically help her get out of the country to a boat on the coast. And so it's, you know, it's just kind of the story of a guy, a regular guy just trying his best to like, uh, do the right thing. And just like, um, he's not like, he's not Clive Owen in that movie where he's like shooting up everything. I think it's called, I think it's called shoot him up or something. Like he's not blazing his way through with guns and stuff. He's like, you know, I don't think he ever touches a gun, but he, um, you know, he just does what he can to protect the people around him and get them all the way to the boat eventually. Uh, and I don't know, it's just always, uh, I just always like that. I like that movie on its own, but just his his performance in that kind of struck me as like, I would hope I'd be that kind of guy, like in those kind of situations. So I guess a theme with this era of like my 20s is I gravitate towards films and movies and TV that take, like take, us out of our current world and into like an either alternate reality or like a what if so like a lot of the um, mm. that's right like a lot of the post-apocalyptic genre kind of picked up for me as far as something I like to watch um, so like uh, The Walking Dead is a good example of that like that's a um, a setting in which I could evaluate for myself like which which of these characters might I be the most like or what I'd be like looking out for you know like what, it's, it's it's similar to the idea when I was in high school of like, you know, what's what is my duty as a man and like the military is where you can test that, right? And like that's where you can prove yourself to a slightly more nuanced version of like just running out a fantasy, not in a fantasy I hope it comes true way, but in a like what if that happened way and right. then gaming it out and like saying like, well, I live a super comfy nerf life right now, like historically and globally. I'm at the top of the pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. America, white male in America, um, you know, middle socioeconomic status, whatever. Like, I have a huge endowment, right, in, in many ways socioeconomically. So, um, but it wouldn't take much for that to get stripped away and we're back to um, lizard brain mode or, you know, like... like or survival. Say, like, yeah, like, you know, a few days into no power right. when the Meyer, the Meyer trucks stop coming and the food's gone. Like they say, like civilization's like five meals away from anarchy, right? So it's like, I know that's all true. Uh, or, or one roll of toilet paper away. Yeah, yeah. We kind of saw a little bit of that at the beginning of the pandemic. We're like, yikes, some people are just... And even now, there's like, you know, weird scarcities of different things. Like, yeah. And, I don't know, it just brings, it brings out the worst of people usually, but then there's like glimmers of have humanity in there too like the people do rise to the occasion in that when they're like tested but I don't know it's just it's something that I that's why I like watching that stuff because it's like 
I, I never was into horror itself, but I understand that like the horror genre is a way for people to like safely engage with their fears because they know it, like they, their the rational brain knows it's just a movie, but like they can allow their emotional side to like connect and resonate to what right. they're seeing on kind the screen. Hijacked so it's like a safe way to therapeutically condition yourself um, and like overcome your fears by. The same reason you go on a roller coaster or like any kind of thrill-seeking thing is to like safely habituate or acclimate to something that would otherwise be overwhelmingly scary for you. Um, so maybe there's something there where it's like I'm like hardening myself for a future reality that could be <laughs> that could you know not that like we'd be like oh, the true apocalypse. Well, yeah, when it really happens, like I'm going to do everything they did in the show, but it's still like you can still maybe learn lessons, and it is TV, so maybe that's gonna like. Things don't work like they do in real life, like like they do in a show. Like you run out of ammo, and you know you die of a cut, right? That's what you die of, uh, not from a. For, you die from an infection or something stupid, not from not from a, uh, zombies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have like yeah, you have like a wisdom tooth that goes bad, and that's what kills you. You know, <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I think just yeah, like those different characters in those shows in the post-apocalyptic genre kind of resonate with me in my adulthood. Um, and with the layer of that, of like the parents, um, like characters who are parents and have children to care for in those situations, it makes me think too, with, as being a father too, like um, how far would you go to protect your family or your family's property or your, what you perceive to be your family's safety, if there's a threat to your family's safety, how far would you go? How much would you compromise your kind of intellectual ethic? Like, oh, I intellectually subscribe to these ethics on paper or academically or esoterically over here. But like, if there's one piece of bread left and there's two pieces, you know, is it the strongest one gets the bread, right? Like, when it comes down to it, it's kind of like trying to, it's a way to engage with that thought experiment of like, who are humans really? And what am I really made of as a human? As a man, like, what so, so so the I think I feel like the theme a theme here is like that movies that portrayed male characters who aren't perfect but kind of rise to their best selves in the interest of others. Yeah. In a, in a truly physically and mentally challenging environment mm -hmm. is kind of how you... Yeah, and right along with that, and not in a life-or-death way at all, but it's like the movie Moneyball is a good example. So that's like, you know, that's about baseball, right? right. But it's not really about baseball, but it's a setting. The setting is baseball, but the real... It's a, it's a study of value, right? Like value and mis, mis, mismatching value or misunderstanding the value of things. And so... Uh, yeah, that's a good example of, you know, he's in a situation where they have, like, a tight budget and a losing record of a baseball team, and, like, he finds a way to rise above that situation by figuring out, like, the essence of baseball and cutting through the 
basically religious mumbo jumbo that was centered right. around baseball. I don't know if you've seen it, but the, yeah. there's that conference room scene where all the old guard is just like, yeah, he's got a baseball face, or like his girlfriend's a six, that means he has no confidence. Like all the superstitions, <laughs> that's how they pick players, and he's just like, yeah, but can he hit? He's like, oh, he, you know, he's gonna be our best hitter. He's like, yeah, but look at his record, he can't hit. Yeah, well, he can hit. Well, what, show me. <laughs> he's like, the data is not it. And then like, you know, Jonah Hill's like the super data guy who like figures out the algorithm, and it's like. On-base percentage is what matters, and we can get all these undervalued players for pennies on a dollar, and we can reconstruct uh, the players that we lost that were expensive, and we can't beat you know, can't beat New York Yankees at their game. So we can like synthetically create their record through these cheaper players, right? Um, it's just, and now everyone's doing that. Like all baseball teams felt, and they're even trying to do it with football and other sports. But like, that's a purely kind of intellectual version of the same idea of like put our heads together and figure it out. Um, Apollo 13 would be another one. That was from when I was a kid, though. But, like, that that really lit, lit me up at age, you know, 10, mm. 11. When that came up, I was like, mm-hmm. they're trying to, like, constantly try to figure out these problems that are threatening this crew. You know, it's, it's a true story, which is even more amazing. But, like, that kind of... Uh, I feel like I was perhaps not properly counseled in high school because I could have gone perhaps the route of science or, or engineering because like, I probably think I have the mind for it, but like I was never, like math didn't really click for me until like physics in high school, which was way too late to go mm. on math path. But like I wasn't like taught math a way that worked for me from like sixth grade onwards. But like the way that they're teaching it now, like the, see, the way I see my kids learning uh, math would have clicked with me. I'm like, God, oh, man, I wish I would have learned it that way. Because like, I had to learn it like there's one way to do these equations or whatever, and this is the only way, and it didn't work for me. Instead, they're being taught like, here's multiple ways to conceptualize these math concepts. And some of them will work better than others for some kids. But like, the point is that if you show them five different ways to do the equation or the, approach the problem, that the kids will find like, oh, this one really clicks for me, this analogy or this model of math works for me. And um, I just have a very strict, this is the only way, right? And um, but anyway, being I, what? Uh, just whatever the traditional, whatever it was in the '90s in Michigan that they were teaching math, you know. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, I mean, in in, in what what chant and because you didn't go the the science math. Yeah, I think was it the theme of like I I find the kind of movies where they're like solving a technological or, or logistical challenge, like Apollo 13, or like there's. Um, nerdiness or like geekiness to it or like it's like these right. like engineering problems and like the show Mythbusters was a big hit in my, in my house right growing up um, so like they're just figuring out like how stuff works and like taking stuff apart putting it back together like I didn't I couldn't actually do that like I didn't I'm not the kind of kid who would like take apart a car and rebuild it or build my own car I wasn't like Anakin Skywalker building a pod <laughs> racer but like I would read ever. but I'd read the book about how a pod racer worked or how a car would work and like I could I could like spit you all the facts about like here's the how here like I, I studied the diagram and I learned how it all works but I didn't learn how it worked through tinkering with my own hands and like physically seeing how it works like I could study the schematic and know how it works and like my wife says like a human GPS because I can like if we're going somewhere I'll look it up on the map I'm, I'm, I won't even need the directions I'll just like see where it is and then and I just get there she's like how do you know where to go I'm like I looked up the map she's like that wouldn't help me I'm like I don't really do it I just take a picture of my head of the map and I know where to go you know like so I have that like I don't know spatial memory or whatever it's called so like I can just like easily learn how things work like learn all the interconnected pieces of things and just like get I like get my head around things quick um 
And so that's why like my interest is so varied, probably because I can really quick, I'm a quick study at almost anything. I can quickly learn a little bit about everything, right? Uh, and I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I guess so. That's like the yeah the post apocalyptic post apocalyptic genre, or just the like rise above. Uh, you're tested and you rise above you rise to the occasion is like the theme that resonates with me that I, I like I'm attracted to stories like that to depictions of that in any media um, in real life like those kinds of like the everyday hero right the guy who just like stepped up and did the right thing right stopped stopped the bad guy or, or rescued the pulled the car off the mom who pulls the car off the kid or right. rescues or the drowning the kid the guy who's that guy who landed the plane in the yeah river exactly yep, like that. that kind of thing like yeah. that guy is like he was he was prepared right he was ready he had a checklist like that kind of like procedures and training saved the day there right, right, right and his instincts from from experience right, right. Um, and or like a good one uh, is uh, the movie United 93 which is about 9-11 mm-hmm. like I I would hope that I'd be that kind of person. Like, let's if we're going down, we're gonna go down on our terms, and like at least we'll try storing the cockpit and go down that way. You know what I mean? Instead of just be sitting in the seats and letting it happen to us, right? Right. Like, so those kind of things inspire and resonate with me. Uh, those kinds of stories. How, how do you? How do you? How do those things? Do, or how do you perceive that those things shape you? In specifically in the place of being like husband and father or how does that because I mean obviously like yeah there's ways that that doesn't translate right like you're not in those exact circumstances but they seem to resonate with you as a as a masculine as from a masculine characters being in that stage of life that you're in so that that mm-hmm. marriage kids so on I actually think it's more it's probably more of an obstacle because I'm kind of always um I always think like I'm like Jason Bourne, right? In that scene where he's like, I sat down, and he's like, I don't know why, but I can tell you that like these three goons over here is this, and like here's all the escape exits, and like like you're, all, I'm always like scanning for threats. Like I'm just like very aware of like where are the exits. Like I'm like, okay, well, what if like a, a bomb wielding terrorist walks in? Like what am I gonna do? Like I'm I'm running these scripts in my head. Multiple things are going at once any any given moment. So like it's hard for me to be present basically in, in a lot of ways because I'm always like doing a threat assessment or like a what if or like planning out a scenario. Huh. Or just mulling over something like I've got like multiple tabs open in my browser, right? And they're all like running their own YouTube videos. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of how like I operate. So it's like hard to like I need to do better at practicing like a forced quit of all that and like just zero in on a moment um, in the right moments um, and be more present. Yeah, with um, like when it's time to be present with the kids, then that's. I'm getting better and better at that instead of kind of always um, being in my own head or being off in La La Land because I know, like I know, like everyone says, like, oh, they grow up so fast and, and I'm even experiencing it now. I can't believe my kid's almost 10. Yeah. Right? So, like, my oldest is almost 10, which is, like, the first 10 years just flew by, right? So it's like, before I know it, they're all going to be gone out of the house. And it's like, where'd that go? And I'm not going to be like, I wish I had thought more about this random thing and <laughs> to them at the time, you know? Um, so I, I know I, I don't think it's gendered. Like I don't necessarily think it's gendered. I think I think maybe men, more men maybe, are kind of the way my brain works. Than like it's rarer for a woman perhaps to think, like like that kind of very engineering way. Which is why you see perhaps way less women in engineering or in those kind of fields. Perhaps I don't know. Um, 
like a re, you know resonate more with like Data and Spock, right, from Star Trek, like those kind of characters, <laughs> or like Tech from Bad Batch, and you know, like all these characters are like, yeah, that's kind of who I identify with. I, I identify with like Jonah Hill from from Moneyball, right? Like his character huh. is how like he's like to me he's like the hero of the story, right? Do do you see those as as, as so do you do make a connection between those things and like. And what you perceive it means to be a man or a husband or a father, or are they kind of separate, separate things in any way? Or does that make sense? I guess, like, I mean, I think, I think parents need to be conscious and aware and intentional about their parenting and the raising their kids, and like emotionally aware of their kids' emotional needs and looking out for their physical needs, and this like the parenting team handles that and both partners in the team have strengths that they can play to and cover each other's weaknesses in and it isn't essentially gendered but um, as it's usually a male and female pairing um, then there is like sometimes it does fall down on traditional gender lines but oftentimes it doesn't so it's like um, I guess I say I guess to that I would say I guess I don't think so (laughs) like I don't associate it closely with an essential masculinity or not um, because I don't know I feel like this day and age um, we're almost like in a sense we're, po- we're like transcending gender I guess in that sense because it was very clear in caveman days what the roles of men and women were right only the men were physically capable of taking down the woolly mammoth right or like fighting war or whatever um, and since, like, the advent of head work, as it were, like, since the 80s or whatever, um, men's, like, brawn is not essential, basically. Mm-hmm. A man's brawn, or, like, I have a strong back, and with that, I can raise a family by working manual labor my whole life and providing for my family. That doesn't provide for your family anymore, and it's not even needed in general, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is, a, what is a man's purpose in 2021 um, that is unique or is that the wrong question? Like, what is, is it, is it a, a misguided question to even ask what is a man's purpose in these days versus what is a human's purpose? But what are people's purposes? And do we pointlessly gender it? Um, that's kind of what I mean by like post, post or transgender. Like we're progressing beyond these like very narrow, strict definitions of gender roles, right? I don't think I've bought into gender roles like that are essential, biological, essential gender roles, other than the male provides the sperm and the female provides the egg. That's, <laughs> that's the only and the breast milk, right? Like that's the only real physical, right. biological difference as far as like... In the immortal roles. words of that, that kid, the kid in kindergarten cop, yeah. men have a penis <laughs> yes. and women have a vagina. <laughs> I don't know how they got through that. Without <laughs> <laughs> or that poor kid nowadays is like, ah. <laughs> but you know, like, I mean, literally, like, even, like the military is a good microcosm for that. Like, there's very, very few, if if any, uh, roles that a woman couldn't successfully fill as well. Like, a woman can operate a drone or pilot a plane or be a tank or anything just as well as a man can. It's not based on any physical acuity or strength. Like, you're not physically moving a joystick that's moving wires, that's moving flaps against wind resistance to fly a plane. It's all hydraulics and computerized and stuff. Right. So it's like that 
isn't like negated. And in fact, like women make better pilots in a lot of ways because they have better reflexes and stuff. Um, right here. So um, anyway, I guess a I guess final dimension to this is I would gravitate more uh, in my last eight years towards um, I guess what I call workplace dramas, right? So like Mad Men. Billions, Newsroom are three that come to mind um, as like an interesting kind of anthropological study of like archetypes and like dominance hierarchies and like kind of the way that humans like interact and work together or don't like organizational function and those kind of like aspects are interesting to watch um, in these dramas how, how they play it out and obviously it's artificial because it's not like a strict like documentary let the cameras roll and see how people work um, but like um, or like even shows like Survivor or some of those like reality shows where quote unquote reality shows where it's like um, human power dynamics are the the main ingredient in what's going on um, that's, that's the that's the the hook or that's the, where the entertainment yeah that's like it that's the if you're a kid system. or a teenager it's like boring adult shows like there's nothing happening there's no michael bay explosions there's no right but it's like the or like downton abbey even is like the so more soap opera e aspect of like well it's about these rich people in england who like have uh issues and drama and like family drama yeah it's like a family drama and like the show parenthood and now this is us is a similar vein of like just a family drama right uh so it's like but to me i watch it and enjoy it from a like how different characters are portrayed and different traits that are presented and the effects that those traits have on everyone else and kind of like figuring out the relational dynamics um like i almost feel like i have to learn like, I almost feel apart and separate from that, and I'm, like, learning... I learned through observation, like, how this is all supposed to work, because it's just, like, I'm not that, like, naturally relational in that sense. Like, I don't... I'm not, like, emotive and relational. I think I'm, like, I perceive myself more as, like, that, like, scientist with the clipboard taking notes and looking at the chimpanzees in the zoo. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You know, like, oh, okay, okay. So, like, I learn... I can, like, learn how to be, like, okay, well, when this situation presents itself, this is how I'm supposed to feel... Like, I think about how I'm supposed to feel from the data bank of reactions. Like, what is the appropriate reaction to this situation? I'm going to consult my... <laughs> you know, versus just feeling it. Like, I don't just... You know what I mean? I got very, like, cold and emotionless huh. by default. Like, I kind of have to think myself how to feel a lot of time. Interesting. Unless it's, like, rage. That just comes naturally. <laughs> Which is That's probably an issue. Instinctive. <laughs> like, road rage or, like, just righteous indignation or just you know right. frustration those like lizard brain aspects come easily but like the positive emotional or positive relational like empathy like naturally I'm not naturally empathetic I'm naturally like shrug like I'm just like naturally like mm. I don't know like it came up like recently like someone who was saying like when a friend of theirs or somebody they knew got cancer and he was overhearing all the kind of pithy and dumb things people were saying about like, oh, well, he was just, he was so good that God wanted to take him or God wanted him for himself or whatever. It's like all the pithy right, right, yeah. and I, And I'm just thinking like, I would be thinking like, we're humans and we get cancer and we die. Like, it's biological. There's no like mean to it. Just, <laughs> your cells multiplied uncontrollably from some kind of mutation. That just happens. Like, people die of viruses, people die of diseases. You're lucky to be alive today because you would have died of something 100 years ago a lot sooner, probably. You know what I mean? So you you would be you'd be essentially like looking at like identifying 
yourself that way and identifying with male characters somewhat like that, um, yet at the same time, you wouldn't necessarily uh, identify that as exclusively masculine, necessarily. No. Like, The Office would be a good example. I mean, that's a, a workplace comedy, but, like, um, like Dwight Troot from that show is, like, brutally like brutally honest, right? Or, like, he says the, the quiet part out loud, or, like, he'll speak the true thing at the wrong time, you know? Or Oscar is the other way. Like, Oscar and Dwight are, I'm a blend of both of them, personality-wise. Because, like, Oscar is the type who, the, you know, you know the type who's, like, actually, like, when somebody says something that's not quite right, and they'll just button and be like, actually, and then they'll correct you. Um, it's pronounced encyclopedia, or whatever, you know, like, like that guy like I don't want to be that guy but I'm thinking it I'm like, if I hear somebody say something wrong like they say you know especially I'm like it back in my head like that's not how you say it <laughs> but, like uh, espresso yeah like just that stuff like I know enough not to like inject myself into that or, like, but I can't help it like I don't know it takes me down a notch or two like my appraisal of somebody that I know I'm like if I'm sizing you up and like if you had a if I was keeping score of your of my perception of your intelligence or whatever like you lose some points in my book when you don't know how to pronounce things correctly or you have typos everywhere or I don't know like that's so bad it's so mean of me like I can't help it like, like, driving's a good example I'm like I would be fine with everyone driving if they drove as well as I do you know I mean? like, just follow, just do the, don't don't do these stupid things it's not that hard like I don't understand why it's that hard to drive this like you're it's harder to drive the slow than you're driving like you're going 33 and 35 like why why 36 or even just 35 I'll be fine with that why does it have to be 33 you know or like, chances are they have uh, no idea how fast I know and I'm like that makes me like how can you not be aware of what you're you're driving a vehicle how can you not be aware that's even scarier you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> um but yeah like again it's all like anthropologically interesting to me in that sense like um I don't know what does that say like about me that I'm like uh is like I'm learning how the world works through this like fake lens of media. Like media isn't really real. It's like artificial in that sense and synthetic. I mean, it's real enough, but it's like it's like manufactured. It's, it's like created. Yeah. I mean, it can it can express truth, mm-hmm. like capital T truth. Like there's certain things about the human experience that are just true, and if you portray them. In a certain way, it's 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 I guess valid, um, or maybe like even movies or media that are based on actual events or characters or things like that can can shed light on on ways that people have actually behaved in certain periods of time that are informative and even documentarian in nature, mm-hmm. um, but. Yeah, it's still not real mm-hmm. in that sense, but interesting. So, I mean, all I'd say, like, I don't, I think if there was any pressure or any kind of pressure of conformity of, like, in high school, like, this is what you're supposed to be to be a man, I feel like that's, that is largely removed when you're in your 20s and 30s. Like, I don't feel like it nearly as much pressure to be a certain way mm. of a man. Um and maybe I'm just too aloof to pick it up. I don't know, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like, uh, I don't know, like, if my dad's generation or the generation before him had that pressure. Like, did men of men in their 30s and the 50s have pressure to conform a certain way, um, behaviorally or dispositionally? I, I imagine that if you were 
any like one steering deviation outwards either way, especially to the more emotional side or more like traditionally effeminate, like Fem- artistic or like whatever was deviating right. from the standard norm, right? That that pressure was to stay in that top of that bell curve. Like you gotta tamp that down, right? So I feel like that bell curve had like flattened out lately where like the spectrum of acceptable expression of men is way wider than it used to be. Mm. Um, you can see that over a couple generations of men. You see that depict them reflected in media, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, both reflected and pushed, caused by and causing that depiction in media to happen. Which is, I guess, a good thing overall, like, because that was always there. It just was always like out of view. Like it wasn't. You were never shown like the sides of the blinders of those tales in media, because there was a very much a type. It was the John Wayne type. Is all you got to see. You know. Well, and there was, and there was, yeah, cultural norms and censorship and all kinds of things going on at that point in time. All right, let's kick it over to you. All right. Well, so my 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 experience with media and masculinity and for me I looked at it from more of like I think like like the high school to college days I kind of already covered maybe there's a I don't like I I tended to to think about it more from the from the from the perspective of as I was entering adulthood aspiring to be married aspiring to have a family so fatherhood and parenthood mm-hmm. were were things that I was very much wanting to do and wanting to be. Um, but for me, the 90s, I would say from 1992 maybe to roughly 2000, like a big chunk of the 90s for me was a very much of a media culture blind spot um, because of my engagement with a... I'll just say a strand of Christianity that um, kind of eschewed media, like mainstream media or secular media or worldly media mm-hmm. or however you want to call it, right? So that tendency towards, like, so I didn't, like, for a large portion of the 90s, really almost all, like, a big portion of that never didn't have a television. Yeah. So you missed, like, the X-Files um, and Friends and all those, like, 90s phenomena. I was, I was completely shut off from that. I didn't go to the movies very much. Um, in fact, I was under the influence of the mindset that kind of actually would view any depictions of masculinity in in the culture as however you want like ungodly mm-hmm. or or those are all the things that are wrong with the world and yeah. how men are portrayed and that you know the world isn't interested in showing you what a good husband or father or what a good christian quote unquote is like the like the Hollywood conspiracy, quote unquote, like Hollywood is out to actively it's undermine. dominated by leftists yeah, and like communists. To, uh, undermine the family or like traditional norms and like their right. their depictions of alternative, quote unquote, alternative lifestyles and this and that, or like or vices like smoking and hookers and this and that. Like all of that glorifies that and like perpetuates and and accelerates the of our society. They, they, I was, I would have been more influenced by view, by people who viewed. 
and getting into the whole discussion around like the you know, like the whole idea of like Christian music or Christian mm-hmm. right. So so in the nineties and two thousand early two thousands, you know, even though it still really isn't the case, but I, I remember very clearly like the whole when when the Christian quote unquote music Christian music industry yeah. started to take off, mm-hmm. and it was a reaction. Yeah. It was like and we got rap and hip hop and all this ugly vulgar, immoral stuff, and we want to present this alternative media. Right? I remember that there was a chart that like the Christian bookstore had that you gave you like when you bought certain CDs that would be like, if you like Eminem, try this. Right, like, right. They would have like, this comparison. This alternative. So it's like the parents could be like, oh, my kid wants to listen to Limp Bizkit, so I'm going to give him this other CD that's like Cutlass or whatever, something right. different. And we can be cool. I'll try to fool them. It's like, that'll fool them, you know. So, so I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was skewed in that period so for, for better or worse like that time period was kind of a cultural and media blind spot for me I wasn't watching TV every, TV every night I went to the movies less frequently um, not that it was, wasn't allowed although for a period of time in one particular context it was quote unquote not allowed to watch them in a movie theater <laughs> but you could watch them at home what and that's a whole other conversation but um but the so I was more influenced by the absence of the media mm-hmm. and other influences that were more in the religious context, you know, and, and then and then just in my mind, like, well, what's a good husband? A good husband is someone who's you know committed, married, faithful, hardworking, you know. Loves his wife, takes care of his wife, and then if he has kids, he's, you know, he's, 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 you know, all those things, which were, and he's not allowed to have any issues or any need anything. He's completely well, he's, self-reliant and he's, together and has no... For me, the, the problem was that there was, there was, in those things, which sound so noble, yeah. there's the negation of the fact that uh, being a husband and being a father, those actually are not define ultimately defining characteristics or roles or yeah. personhood. Mm-hmm. And I think that Christianity and my own head, um, you know, kind of made that the case, mm-hmm. right? So, and then when you add to that the absence of any other influences through media. I really couldn't tell you that I had any really significant influences in culture and media about what a man was supposed to be or what masculinity was until like later and maybe in the mid early to mid 2000s. The only exception there which which was that the the, the Star Wars prequels <laughs> came out in the late 90s and that was certainly something that got my attention but not in any the, and, and really any media that I was exposed to later on as things opened up and we had television and watched more movies it was all within the context of sharing it with my children so oh, yeah. sharing Star Wars with my kids you know I was done the concept of like sharing sharing what I viewed to be appropriate wholesome or values based yeah. media with my children mm-hmm. and creating that bond with them yeah and that kind of a thing. Yeah, I get that. Um, but it was really a, bl- a blind spot. And it wasn't until like maybe later in the 2000s that I even started to view media, mainstream media or non-Christian media, as a way to even 
to even view it as like, oh, maybe this has something to say that's valid or a cautionary tale mm-hmm. about what it means to be a man. Um, the one movie that did that did in, that I do remember having an impact on me, which is somewhat obscure, is Cheaper by the Dozen with Steve Martin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for some reason, that his 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 character as a father and as a husband was something that I appreciated, mm-hmm. and the fact that he you know could uh, have a sense of humor and handle the chaos because I'm raising. Five children, you know, all at the same time, and just that kind of insanity. Just Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I I kind of did view him as like, oh, that's a really cool example. Yeah, they didn't make him the thirteenth kid that you see a lot of. Like, the the mom's like, oh, I got like four kids, three of them are under eighteen, and it's like I got a proper care and feeding of husbands, right? That whole idea. See, and that that would have been that would have been how Christianity would have said, oh, well, that's. See, in the world, they portray men yeah, as... they're like effeminate, pathetic, childlike, and... Right. Like he's, not, he's not authoritative, masculine right. presence in the home. He's, like, been... Or they're just or, irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Immature. Yeah. Yeah, um, kind of went... Yeah, they, they, the, they picked up on... The, which is common enough, like, yeah, the like the stoner loser, because, like, the stoner comedy, quote-unquote, genre was big when I was, like, in high school and college, like, the like in the 90s. super bad and, like, early 2000s, um, knocked up and 40-year-old version, like, that whole, like, string, from, like, basically all of Judd Apatow's work, right, that, like, stoner comedy genre, and that did definitely, that is where, like, the millennial uh, failure, failure to launch stereotype comes out of, because all those, like, <laughs> millennial-age guys, like, James Draco and, <coughs> right. and all those guys, like, they're they're just like sitting around doing nothing but drugs and video games and they're like 20 something and like normally like if it was 50 years before that they'd all be like have three kids by now and like be have their second promotion and like be kind of right. homeowners and this and that or like whatever <laughs> so it's like everyone's like oh this is horrible because like well, the anchor was like this is how it should be the script is you by 30 you have XYZ and so if you're at 30 with like a dead end job and you just smoke pot all day long like you're well, a loser right that would and so the, the circles that I was in would have viewed that as evidence of the moral decline, yeah, like this is entertainment, and that this is this is just a reflection of all the lost values. Yeah. They're right? not depicted as like characters that you would be like, oh, what a shame! Like, um, it's like this is the character to pay. Like, what a waste of potential! It's like glorified. I want to be like, yeah, like this is em- to be emulated. This right. lifestyle is to be emulated. Even though, even though it's far more complex than that. But yeah. I, I do think at the end of the day that that <clears throat> the the reactionary position of religious people to secular, quote-unquote, secular anything is largely misguided. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really until later, and again, this is where my my life experience is a little different, because for me, as I started to re-engage movies, television, media, um, across the spectrum... Um, I did. I did tend to gravitate towards you know, like the depictions of like, like you know, the good husband and father, person persona, um, which was definitely out there in the in the media. But it was. It, I mean, I wouldn't say that it was. You know, I think the biggest reason why that maybe isn't as common in the media is is because it's just not that interesting. I don't think that I don't think that the, I don't think that the meat the, the I don't think the Hollywood media mainstream like you know the the whatever you want whatever whatever 
fundamentalists want to call yeah. that collective group of people the that cabal, they right yeah. that is the cartel. I don't think that there's. I don't think that there's. I, I think it's more like well. I just don't think we can sell that many movie tickets. Yeah, well, <laughs> showing me like you know I've heard because I've heard sensible people talking about both sides of this that like yes that that there is like a normative culture out there and that it is not that that's not why people go to the movies to see like more of their everyday life or like they go to, to see these extreme examples of characters that are different than how they are so like we shouldn't. So, like, a fundamentalist Christian sect would would err in looking at the media and going, like, saying that's normative when it really isn't. Like, they're trying to portray, like, the edge cases of society, I guess, and, like, bring those stories more to light, perhaps. And it's, like, they're saying, well, you're trying to shift the curve to the right. You're trying to make that normal. They would would argue for an agenda. Yeah, like, you're trying to make everything become this. Asserting itself. Yeah. To, like, in very militaristic terms. Yeah. Like... An attack yeah. on our values, or yeah. a war on, you know, whatever. When I think that there is, like, I think that most people are not like movie characters or TV characters, um, but that like, real people don't fall into those archetypes as easily as we make them in characters when screenwriters sit down to write a character. All right. It's more. It's, we're way more complex than even the most complex character that has been created out of thin air mm-hmm. can be because it's hard. It's like really hard for one human to create a super complex another human out of thin air without even drawing on their own. Like, how can you so separate yourself from this other character? Like, that's not humans just don't work that way. Like, we can't so thoroughly create this other being um, right. without injecting anything else, without anything else seeping through from our own experience or our own lens or any of that. Um, I think it's, maybe it's rare when it happens, but I think yeah, there's, it's true enough that I think like nobody wants to go watch like if you have a miserable life or whatever, nobody wants to go watch a miserable life or whatever. You know? Unless it's exceptionally miserable, like precious or whatever. Unless it's exceptionally <laughs> yeah. miserable, where it becomes like kind of like misery porn. Yeah. Or or as long as that person who's in that super boring normal life, you know, and then all of a sudden. They end up on this grand adventure, or th- yeah. something. Something happens to like them, like the Hobbit or the Frodo, or like that kind of idea. The like, concept of that, but in in real in real life, of, uh, fucked out of real life and into something extraordinary, like the it, Luke Skywalker, the whatever. Or like even that. like even someone like you know like like the the, I, the, the, the what I like to call like the, the the Taken phenomenon that Liam Neeson <laughs> kind of made famous, like the, yeah. the everyday dad who turns out to be like turns this badass be, spy yeah. who can rescue his kid from uh-huh. terrorists. You know, like like it's like or like that. Recent movie, um, Unknown. I think it's Unknown. Un- uh, the, the, with Bob Odenkirk, the guy who plays oh, yeah. Saul Goodman. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just this dad, you know. Like he's yeah. like, and it's. Have you seen that movie? No, I've just seen. Oh, it's, yeah, he like it's, got jacked for it. It's just brilliant. I mean, they 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 perfectly just montage in the beginning of the movie where they just they just nail showing like the monotony of his <laughs> of his suburban husband father work life. Yeah, like just. So brilliantly, like just numbing you, like mm-hmm. right? like nobody wants to go see that. Yeah. But then the story is that he's this like he's a whole other person, right? Right. And anyway, um, but I do think that there were there were I think that for me to to keep this planted in like my so well I do believe that media helped media. I would say that there was there were depictions of of the of there were two movies in particular that I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll mention. One was um, American Beauty, 
with Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the other one was Juno with uh, Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. And both of those movies, I think, were very similar in the sense that they showed these men who were in these very traditional circumstances, um, and then their their mask, their, their, their place in that, what I, and there was another movie, um, Revolutionary Road with Leonardo DiCaprio, like, and those movies all kind of, like, like in a very in-your-face kind of way, like, deconstructed, like, is this what a man yeah. is? Well, in a, in a what's, 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 what, what's, what, what happens when we peel back, yeah. you know? What's this guy really all about? In a comedic way, for me, Office Space fulfilled that role of the com- the comedy angle of that same idea. Like he's just this drone, and then he literally gets hypnotized into like not caring about his job anymore, and then he like is free from like the corporate, right? The corporate bureaucracy, or like um, the Matrix is another example of that, right? Like he's like he literally takes the red pill or the blue pill, or and is free from the illusion of the life of this life and showing the real world and all this. Um, well, I think I think with those the three movies that I mentioned do is they um, just lost what I was going to say they basically like the the oversimplified way of watching a movie those movies would be to say oh these are movies about a man having a midlife crisis yeah but really I think that's an oversimplification of of that it's it's more about a person happens to be a man who's in a context that is not getting quite at the heart of identity. Mm-hmm. It's an ide- It's about identity. Mm-hmm. It's about these men, and in the case of Revolutionary Road, even the wife to a degree, like a large degree, like both of them realizing like these narrow definitions of what a man is and what a husband is and what a father is and what a homeowner is and these, you know, this one very narrow way of looking at it does it comes on it, it unravels mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of laid bare and it's like yeah no this actually isn't it like it's it's or I shouldn't say it's not it but it's not it's in each of those movies it's portrayed to be like you know like a facade to some degree or another. Um, is there a degree of like throwing out the baby with the bathwater with that on those journeys? Like that's the sense I get a lot of times with movies like that, where they like they went too far. I guess. I think. I think um, with. I think with American Beauty, maybe just in the sense that <laughs> it because I think that movie was trying to be satirical in some ways. Hmm. Um, or like I think. Almost like. I think that. I think that. In my opinion, and because I'm now as a as a now eight years divorced mm-hmm. individual, and there's one other movie that I'll mention in closing my side of things is that I'm not so focused on like well, what's the what's the point here? Like like hey, you took that a little too far. Like you know, being a good husband and a good father isn't all bad. Right? right. It's like, well, that's not really the point. I think a lot of people react that way because they're like, well, that's too close to home here. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, and instead of saying, hmm, well, let's, you know, I, I think I think that movies like that, right, that just show you 
and I'm talking about this from a male's perspective, there are plenty of movies out there right now that show women going through that. Like, mm-hmm. they get married, they have kids, and then they have an identity crisis. Be pretty and, love. And they can't figure out who they are. Yep. Same thing with men. Mm-hmm. And when a man goes through that, right, like, I think, and the, and the, the, the conservatives, you know, they, they don't, it's like, no, 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 they don't want to, they don't want to deal with reality. They don't want to deal with the fact that, I'm, you know, I, don't, I mean, just to speak frankly, like, like to me, like those movies all, all in some way, shape or form, right. The, one of the things about the men is that it, it depicts, it depicts their sexual deviance. Like they all in some way, shape or form are engaging younger women, right there. It, it's, well, you know, like, that's not unrealistic, but so, but instead of viewing that as evidence of moral decline or evidence of, you know, that, that, the, that the, the, the agenda of the left has won. Mm-hmm. No, it might just be an honest depiction of what life is like for a lot of men who are living in that narrow space. The, the you know the, the edges get frayed yeah and then you're like well I don't know what to do like yeah hey, in those movies movies like that I see a theme that I see in my own experience of almost like this perhaps dichotomy between like duty and passion perhaps so like as you know if you're, if you're a parent you kind of have to be more selfless than you are if you're not a parent right so if you're single or post child or whatever like you just like in college like in college you can do whatever you want whenever you want and Whenever I hear a college kid complain about anything, I'm like, dude, you get to take a nap whenever you want. You get, you get your, your, nobody's like biting your ankles, needing you, right? Um, but like, but you know, the, every moment where you're like, I would rather be watching this YouTube video or finishing this YouTube video I started that I just got interrupted for, or I have way more stack of books than I'll ever be able to get to because I don't have time to read them, or all these stacks of movies I'll never be able to watch. Um, and but like, you have these duties to your family and your people are like, you know, you have duty and you have your passion. Like, here's what I want to do and here's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can feel like what you need to do is at the expense of what you want to do. And I feel like that that's kind of the theme. But, like, the message or the, perhaps the message of a lot of these movies, which is what the fear of, like, the people who per, do the pearl clutching around them is, like, um, stuff those passions away. Like, your duty, they highly, highly elevate and highly weight the duty side. Mm-hmm. And downplay the, like, stuff those passions away. Just, it's okay. Like, passions are bad or from the devil so like put them away right. because duty is what matters duty to your spouse your children your family your country that's the that is on the pedestal like that is a higher calling than your base animalistic passions to just like your lizard brain wants to have sex with everything that's walking around so don't right. feed that beast feed the good beast which is posterity like do things for the future and the right? question so even as you're saying that right so in my mind I'm thinking so which one of those exactly is toxic masculinity that's yeah. That's where it comes around. Like, is, like, is the guy is the it, Lothario just like laying waste to nightclubs <laughs> on one hand, or the guy who's like completely dead inside, but like doing all the right things and checking right. all the right boxes and following right. the script? Right. Like, both of those are not healthy men. Right. Neither of them are healthy. They're men. out of balance. Right. Yes. And the, I think what those movies show, and what those portrayals of the men in those movies show is. If you get if it gets too far out of balance, this this is what's beneath the surface mm-hmm. or potentially beneath the surface, and I think that those movies what those movies do is they they show you it's not just about good dad bad dad good husband bad husband 
it's people are complex, mm -hmm. right? And like we said, there's plenty of portrayals of that for women too, right? Like the women who, you know, wake up one morning, they're like, where, where did my, where did my quote unquote life go, right? Um, and the kind of the, 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 probably the movie, one of the movies that made the biggest impact on me um, going into my divorce years, I'll call it, was, which I thought was a really interesting portrayal, was a movie called, um, oh my gosh, I just forgot the name of it. The Last Station. It's Last. called The Last Station, which is the true story of um, the end of uh, Tolstoy's life. Hmm. And uh, in that movie, he is portrayed as this, you know, essentially the movie is about him. He's married. He has a family. But he has undergone such a transformation spiritually, emotionally, mentally, that he can no longer coexist with his spouse some of his children and the and the and the and the empire yeah. that his writing created mm -hmm. um, and he ends up uh, you know at one point leaving uh, there's a very poignant scene where he he agonizes over you know um, quote unquote he, he he basically has to make a decision do I embrace my empire, the riches and wealth of my work mm -hmm. and my family life, my home life, or do I stay true to who I am, who I've become, and get out? And so in the movie, he leaves, and then it's also, but then it also shows that, you know, there was a balance there, right? Like he still did have love and affection for his children, for his spouse, but, um, and I think that that's, that's not so much, I think that that just happens to be about a man. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in a context that I can't necessarily understand, which is like post, you know, uh, yeah. pre-revolutionary Russia. But um, I think that that was something I could relate to in the sense of, you know, that sometimes to be a, to be true to yourself as a man or a woman, or and really, I guess at a certain degree, it doesn't really matter yeah. what we're talking about. Um, you may not stay in that narrow, you know, way of that you've prescribed for yourself or that other people have prescribed for you. And for men in particular, right? Like when when you have you know, charted that course, right, in a very rigid way, um, well, that's just not how life necessarily is mm -hmm. at any given time for anyone, right? Um, and I think that more than anything, I think that, I guess I would say that for me, I feel like I've, I've, me, what, 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 what informed me in my experiences was, was, the, the depictions in media of like men going through what 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 Richard Rohr calls the second half of life or the transformation into the second half of life, which if you're if you've read anything by Richard Rohr about that, he talks about the loyal soldier and then and then like you know. I forgot. Oh, 
shoot, that went past. Anyway, um, so to kind of wrap it up, I think I think that for me, what I was drawn to was the the, the portrayal of men who were wrestling at a deep level with who am I mm-hmm. if I'm not just husband, father, right? Yeah. And like now, for me, being on the other end of parenthood, we're like <laughs> like dealing with like. Now, who am I? Because now I actually am not. Yeah. Like, I have a 19-year-old who lives with me. I have all this time on my hands. Nobody needs me anymore, right? (laughs) Quote-unquote. They always need you. Yeah. But, like, it's like, it, it, it... and, it, and you realize, at least for me, that that is part of the journey for a man yeah. and for a woman. It's like, you actually aren't prime, like, you know, you're, you, number one, I remember a friend, a woman who I worked with who, who, whose husband died, and she said, you know, every, every marriage ends in divorce or death. Mm-hmm. And you're ultimately alone. And then, and then just thinking about your parenting, you know, it's like, you're going to spend more of your life, hopefully, Post-parent, yeah, than parenting, yeah, and that's sobering because that's mm-hmm. we're talking about identity, the right? So, anyway, all right, we're running out of time, so we're gonna leave it right there. <laughs> we will catch you next time. Thanks, thanks for listening. <laughs>